0: I sing a song of the saints of God, patient and brave and true, who toiled and fought and lived and died for the Lord they loved and knew. And one was a doctor, and one was a queen, and one was a shepherdess on the green, they were all the saints of God and I need God help me to be
1: one too. Hello and welcome to Tea Time Theology. My name is Taylor Wilkie, your host for this episode, and today we're we'll be joined by Father Nick Avancho, rector of St. Martin in the Fields Episcopal Church in Grand Island, New York. Welcome, Nick. Thank you very much for having me. It's good to be here. This season of Tea Time Theology, we are affectionately calling it Bumper Sticker Bible, where we sit down with clergy and talk about commonly seen religious sayings that are normally placed on the back of someone's car while you're sitting in traffic for hours. And you know the ones I mean, the ones where you're just like reading it over and over and over again in your head and you're thinking... Why would someone choose to say this on the back of their car to uh, to everyone else who follows them in the world? And Nick has chosen the topic of everything happens for a reason. So Nick, I guess the first
2: question would be, why did you choose the topic, everything happens for a reason? It's always one of those sayings that's really popular in Christianity, but just always sounds good, but never really sat well with me. It seems like it's the trite answer to whenever something bad happens to someone else to make them feel better you can say oh don't worry everything happens for a reason god god planned that for you so feel better about it Mm. and it just it's things jesus never said something that feels like it should be in the bible but very much isn't right And, and and you're right it's always um
1: Everything happens for a reason always is said following some type of terrible tragedy. And like, it's never a positive thing. It's never, it's never like, oh my God, you just won the lottery. You know, everything happens for a reason. It's always something like, oh, sorry to hear you got a flat tire on the way to work. But you know, everything happens for a reason. I don't know. I guess when someone has ever said it to me, it's never made me personally feel better.
2: Well, when it's a good thing that happens to us, we're perfectly happy to give ourselves credit for it. But if it's something bad, then, oh, it must have been something God wanted to happen. And and that raises an interesting
1: thought of if everything happens for a reason and the things that happen for a reason are usually only bad things, why would God choose in this thought experiment we're having right now? Mm-hmm. To have bad things happen to us.
2: Right. I mean, if he, if he chose to work the world like a bunch of puppets, if he chose to make every single little decision, why wouldn't everything work out perfectly? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't make much sense that part of his plan, apart from any interference at all, would be to make our lives miserable. I mean, it just doesn't pan out.
1: Right. And it's, it, it kind of goes, it kind of pushes up against the, the idea of free will. Um, God gave man free will to do what we want, to believe what we want, worship how we want, behave as we want. Um, but all of a sudden God will take this, will throw a monkey wrench into our free will and just make something terrible happen to us and uh i don't know i guess that's just not that's not the vision of god i guess i i would prefer to subscribe to
2: no and part of being created in the image of god is having free will according to aquinas god is pure action he always does because he's only going to do it the perfect way so there's no could have done it otherwise whereas we as humans are given a certain amount of agency as we're created in the image of God. If we're just puppets, then there's no intellect and will to us. There's not that imprint of God's being on us, too. So we have to have some amount of choice in the universe.
1: I like that. I like the idea of human beings having choice. But now, I guess I guess the next question would be, why do you think so many people simply default to that everything happens for a reason when something terrible happens
2: i think people at the basis really want to believe they understand how the world works i think people really on a fundamental basis want there to be a cause and effect reason for everything even if it's an absurdly unlikely reason for something we'd rather know why it happened than just realize that we don't actually have control over things and we don't know why things happen. I mean, it's it's very much the conspiracy theory phenomenon that's happened. People would rather believe a ridiculously complicated explanation for something than just not know why. Mm. And so God, having planned it, gives, okay, I can put a pin in that. I can feel why it happened rather than... Admitting we don't know all that much.
1: I don't know. You you just kind of sparked a, a thought in my brain. Like you know, I've in my regular nine to five, I have to sometimes coordinate individuals together. And I <laughs> think anybody who truly believes in conspiracy theories um, has never tried to get three people to do to work together at the same thing um, because it's it's literally impossible.
2: <laughs> oh. Absolutely. I mean, a camel is a horse built by a committee. I mean, you can't get people to actually come together. And the idea that you'd be able to keep something secret is even more laughable.
1: Absolutely. The, just the, I don't know, just paper trails in general would oust, would, 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 would blow the wa- blow, blow all this stuff out of the water. Because there's got to be some piece of paper somewhere. And for everyone to get, you know what? This is a tangent. And I know the tangent that I—that we could literally go down for
2: hours. Oh, churches are a great way to find out how committees work but, and don't work. But right. People really want there to be an intelligible reason for things. And there just really often isn't. It's almost sad when you think about that. We all know that truly terrible things
1: happen in the world. And always looking to an omnipotent being for an explanation probably isn't the healthiest way to do that
2: well and i mean we we have that exact thing happen in scripture i mean you see job whose life is ironically almost comically bad who thinks he knows why god is punishing him so badly and then he has his constant choir of friends who keep saying you must have done something wrong it's gotta be you And at the end, God answers him kind of perfect and says, if you think you know everything, where were you when I created the world? Mm. Where were you when I set everything in motion? How do you know exactly how everything works?
1: Mm.
2: He didn't say, he didn't explain it. He didn't tell him exactly how it was supposed to go. But he simply questioned the pride of thinking that we'll ever fully understand how everything's supposed to work.
1: I guess part of the human condition is trying to figure these things out. And most of humanity isn't equipped to think critically about maybe the choices that they make or their surroundings in a given situation to truly understand why these things are
2: occurring. No, and it can easily devolve into a theology that's really popular now, especially in TV preaching and things, the prosperity gospel of If you believe rightly, if you do everything I'm telling you to, then your life should be going really great. And if it's not, it's because you either didn't believe enough, didn't pray the way I told you to, did something wrong, and that's why God's teaching you a lesson. I've never been to a church
1: where that has been the message. Um, And like you said, I've seen it on TV, but I've only ever seen it like as a cartoon or a caricature of worship, so I guess in, in in a sense I don't believe that exists, but I guess it I guess it does in some places.
2: It very much in modern evangelicalism and really fundamentalist circles. That's it's not well articulated, but that's kind of the underlying belief. Mm. If something's going badly, well. They obviously weren't following the the proper rules, doing the, everything correctly. God must be trying to tell them something. I mean, we always try to answer the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And God's answer to Job is essentially, they just do. I mean, he doesn't give a, because you did this, this is happening to you. Because you should have listened to me, this is happening to you. No, he simply said that this is what is happening. And it's Job's own pride to think he could know better than God why those things are going on. Right Now, lest this become too depressing a theme, I mean, there is a (laughs) counterpoint to it. Okay. And that, I mean, we do see in... Romans and other things, the verses like everything works together for good for those who are called according to his promise. I mean, God promises that things will work out in the end. He just, I don't think promises us that every little step of the way is perfectly choreographed to get there. Mm. I think the really impressive thing is that even out of the worst things, he can bring good.
1: I think that rather than somebody saying you know everything happens for a reason people should say things like well this is just a trial see even even trial is a little harsh because that means that you're being tested somehow and i don't i don't i don't like that either i think that
2: you may not be being actively tested but what it can be is an opportunity to grow Mm. i mean saint ignatius of loyola famously joked that Um, If God is leading you to a lot of suffering, he must want to make you a saint. That each of those times may not be some intentional lesson, but there is usually something we can grow out of it.
1: Everything that happens to you in your life is an experience, and you do grow as a human or as a person from that experience. And the more experiences you have, the more prepared you are for the next experience you run it, you, you come across.
2: Right. It's not that God's trying to put you into a bad situation to teach you something, but that part of God bringing beauty from ashes, bringing good out of bad, is that when you do get there, there's usually something good that can be brought out of it. I mean,
1: not to bring, not to bring the specter of 2020 back into our lives, but the Everything Happens for a Reason crowd was really tested about two years ago where the world got, I mean, not that it's not scary right now. it The world definitely is scary currently still, but the world got extra scary for about a year and a half. For the first six months, I don't think any of us knew what was going on.
2: And No, to s- absolutely. And to, to a s- point that the world hadn't seen that kind of upset. I mean, since the second world war store shelves being empty. I mean, yeah it was it was objectively terrifying, and I
1: think one of the things that was like you said, the most terrifying about it was that everyone who was around everyone who I spoke to anyway, the last generation to truly experience this it has been is dead and is dead and gone. There was literally no one anybody could ask to say. So what do we do now? What did you do last time this happened? Because the last time this happened was right after World War I, and that whole generation is gone.
2: Right, exactly. And even then, they had no hope of things like a vaccine. Mm. And so, I mean, it, it very much... That's a perfect example of why did this have to happen? Well... And people desperately sought out a reason. It's some ill-acting group that no one really knows about that's over here, that there's a grand conspiracy to do something. Or, you know, the crazy explanations of, well, this is God's revenge for X. But in reality, how will we ever know why that had to happen? But I think we're starting to see that we did lose a lot of good things. I mean, there were definitely sufferings and loss, but some things, I think, were purged that probably needed to go in the world. Things were reformed that may have come back better than they left.
1: It changed everything. And it. Re- I think it refocused a lot of people on what is truly important in their lives. It moved us from... And, and I still feel as though people are still holding on to the way we used to work the way we work the way everyone works has changed completely um, oh
2: in entirely even in ministry i mean the idea of keeping a church office open eight to five five days a week is getting rarer and rarer
1: right and and i think the like the working crazy hours or the or the really uh giving yourself to the company i think i think that's over as a society, we've decided that there is there is no reward great enough to keep myself from the people and things that I care about most.
2: And that shift of priorities isn't a bad thing, but we often don't question the status quo until something breaks it.
1: So let me ask you this, Nick. What does everything happens for a reason mean to you? as a single person in this universe.
2: To me, there is a portion of it that is, that I believe is true and that God is working towards a good end. I think that God is certainly bringing everything together until that time when finally everything is brought in the consummation of all things. I think it can ring hollow when we want to say that thing you're suffering through right now there's a reason for it you just just have to find it. I've just in pastoral care, especially at people's deathbeds and things I've found why to almost never be a useful question why now? why is this happening to me why is why is my relative the one dying? It's almost never a helpful route to go down because there's almost never a good answer for it but luckily the the hopeful end of it is that we believe God is taking all of those things that do happen, whether we know why or not, and working them towards a good purpose. And I always come back to I'm a member of the Society of Ordained Scientists, as is your mm. bishop. My background's in biochemistry. And so I always come back to the science of everything. And there's a certain amount of uncertainty that's just built into the way that the world works. Mm. I mean we look at things like modern physics and there are things you just can't know and in fact knowing some properties keeps you from knowing about others there's a certain amount of absolute uncertainty at the base of things as much as we want to believe we know how everything works and can reason out absolutely everything. The real answer is the deeper you go, the more questions you get, the less certainty you get. And so it's almost as if God has built in a certain amount of mystery, a certain amount of uncertainty into the world we inhabit.
1: I am by no means a scientist. I'm barely an engineer. Um, And it's very satisfying as, as an analytically minded person to look at a situation figure out the problem and understand what's causing it and then generally having an idea of how to fix it. So I guess I I don't find myself personally falling back on everything happens for a reason. I find myself falling back on, well, that happened. There probably was no reason for it, but I am be better prepared the next time. And maybe you'll agree with me, and this is just a, something I thought of in the moment. I think I think the whole th- things that people should say is, not everything happens for a reason, but this happened to you so you can be ready to help someone else the next time it happens.
2: Absolutely. I mean, it's not that this had to happen to you because there is some big big plan behind it but the fact that it did happen to you now means you can draw out the good that god is giving you from it whether it's to be able to identify with someone better when they come to you with a similar problem or whether it is learning something about yourself whether it's just a big dose of humility from the universe to remind us that we wouldn't be very good at being god
1: one of my we wouldn't be very good at being god
2: one of my favorite
1: and one of my favorite Um, examples of this. Um, and maybe, maybe you've seen it too, but there's a, uh, uh, and we talked about this in a previous season where we did a whole thing on television shows and, and stuff. But, uh, the episode, there's an episode of Futurama Godfellas and in the episode Bender is God that he meets God and at one point the god entity computer thing whatever it is bender says you know i was god once and god says you were doing really great until everyone died <laughs> and that's uh i don't know what, what you just said made me think of that and i always and i always love that uh line from that episode uh i love that episode in general there's so much quotable stuff in that episode
2: Oh, it's a that that whole episode is hilarious, but it's a great philosophical experiment of. You know, we can often trick ourselves to think if I could just control everything, it would be great. But then, if you play that out, you wonder what happens when you miss something.
1: Everyone feels as though they can be predictive until, and that's all working great until so you need to be reactionary, and I just. I just don't think a lot of people prepare themselves to be reactionary. They're always trying to plan their way out of
2: everything. And I think that gets back at what, you know, theologians have always agreed is the the mother of sins pride. I mean, when we think we can be God, we've gotten our priorities messed up. When we think we have figured it out, then it means we're overlooking something. Mm. It's that humility of just being able to say, I don't know, but I can I can deal with whatever happens knowing that God will help me bring good out of it, instead of, I really think I have the whole world figured out. It's the, the times when the voice inside your head you think is God just seems to start agreeing with you on everything that becomes dangerous.
1: Right. It's all of a sudden you know how the world is supposed to be rather than... You just experiencing the world as it is.
2: Right, exactly. We're at the soapbox
1: time of the interview, I think. And this is your chance to stand up and monologue for as long as you want on how everything happens for a reason makes you feel when you either hear it or see it somewhere.
2: It, to me, just awakens this harmful positive this harmful positivity that says that anytime you're going through something bad well God is with God is with you in it but in some sense God is responsible for it if, if anything's taught me that I don't control the world it's this little 22 pound 9 month old that's <laughs> making noise in the background here as I'm a father in two senses at this point but um I mean, it's this idea that, well, at a funeral, well, because they're in heaven, you shouldn't be sad. I mean, the prayer book itself even notes about that, saying that just because we believe in resurrection doesn't mean that funerals aren't a time for grief and loss. It's this sense that God is not with you in the depths of the bad things that happen to you, but is somehow above them, outside of them causing them instead of being with you being willing to enter into all of those difficult things that happen and come out with you on the other side the god who understands what suffering that we have a high priest who has gone and can understand what we go through Mm. it makes god more into a you know observer of a little someone standing above a little um terrarium watching everything watching everything that happens rather than someone who is deeply and intimately with us as we walk through life i mean it's very much bender looking down at the little world on his stomach instead of being actually both over and imminent with us both watching over the whole thing Mm. and being there in it with us And so it's one of those things that sounds like it should bring you a lot of comfort, but as you think more and more about it, almost distances you from God.
1: That was very poignant and very well-spoken.
2: It does sound
1: like someone else in your life requires your attention other than me for now.
2: Oh Um, no, it's fine.
1: (laughs) uh, So I think this is, this is probably a good place to end. And uh, we end our podcasts pretty much the same way. Every time uh, we well, first thing we ask is uh, if someone wanted to hear you or come meet you on a Sunday, where should they go?
2: I am at St. Martin in the Fields, Grand Island, New York, which is literally an island between Niagara Falls and Buffalo. You can come to our little parish on this island, but also see us at stmartinsgi.org and my own. Um, Facebook at facebook.com slash Martins gi and an Instagram as well. I do um, publish my sermons and everything, and we I'd absolutely love for anyone to contact me and talk at frnick, fathernick at stmartinsgi.org.
1: Wonderful. Nick, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Do you have any final thoughts before we leave?
2: Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be able to discuss these kind of theological things with you, and in in the midst of this Lent, I hope that even in the midst of self-denial and penitence and thinking about the difficult things in this world, you can find God bringing good out of even the darkest place. right. Okay, Nick, thanks for coming on. Thank you.
0: They lived not only in ages past, there are hundreds of thousands still joyous saints who love to do Jesus' will. You can meet them in school or in lanes or at sea, in church or in trains or in shops or at tea, for the saints of God are just folk like me, and I mean to be one
1: too. Thank you for listening to Tea Time Theology, a ministry of St. John's Cathedral in Rhode Island. We would like to thank our producers, Ivy Swinsky and Taylor Wilkie. Special thanks to Moa Conde and David Hines for our music. Our sponsors, the Episcopal Diocese of Rhode Island and the Right Reverend Nicholas Nisley, as well as our guests today. Follow us at Tea Time Theology on all social medias.